very best days in your life are the day you were born and the day you discover why you were born. Today, our title of our message is called, You Were Made to Know God. So I didn't mean for this to be a message series. We just started off with, you were made to belong. That's the flyer that we handed out to everyone. And then went into, you were made to be accepted. And this week, we're just continuing on in that tradition. You were made to know God. I want to tell you a story about me personally. That when I was seven years old, I was raised in the church all my life. I remember Saturday nights... Before church, you know, the next day, we'd always be at my mama and my papa's house, and we would just have the greatest time. My Aunt June was playing the piano, and everybody was just singing, and we were just singing and singing and singing like we did here, just for hours upon hours upon hours, just love and fun, and we were singing, and we'd go and play in the back, you know, hallway, and that's what I grew up on, knowing about God, but then we had a revival in the first week in April of 19, well, I won't tell you when, and because uh, it's going to date me a little bit, and it just show you how much I was raised in the church, that when it came down for the altar call, when the pastor finished the message, he's actually an evangelist, and he's giving the message, giving the message, giving the message, at the end, he gave the altar call. Now, the funny part of the story for me, even today, is this is a country church in the middle of a field, in the middle of a field, like... You have to drive 10 miles, longer than you guys had to drive to get here this morning. You had to drive out in the middle of a field, and there's this little church, and it was the same people there every Sunday, and they're doing a whole week long of meetings trying to get everybody saved. It's kind of humorous to me. So I, as this little seven-year-old kid, go down to, we had stairs that go down to the basement, and I go over to the altar of the stairs, and I'm sitting there just like this, and I'm praying for souls to be saved. The funny thing is, I didn't realize at seven years old that there's nobody there that hasn't been in church all their life and have been there forever. But as I'm down there, I heard the Lord tell me, I want you. And it was just like, oh my goodness. So I went back to my mom where she was sitting in, a, in the pew. And I said, mom, tugging on her thing. She's like, shh, 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 the pastor's trying to pray. I'm like, shh, shh, shh. You know, mom, Jesus said he wants me. And that started the real evolution for me of the path that I've on that I've arrived today. See, God created the universe that is everything here, and yet He wants to have a personal relationship with each one of us. Isn't that crazy? I mean, it's crazy to think about our new president and the presidential candidates and everything we have, and we can see them and we can know all about them, and dear God, there's so much came out that I'd just soon not know all the stuff that came out about both of them or all the other people, but we don't really know them, we know about them, and yet here's the creator of the world, so much bigger than any presidential candidate that will be there for four or eight years, he wants to have a personal relationship with us. I want to take you on a journey with me this morning, and I want us to talk about when God created the universe. He created this whole system. Now, follow along with me, and I'm hitting some of the parts that I did in a, a, a video presentation at North Church that's up on our app now, so you can go and look at it. And so I'm hitting parts of that. For those of you who were there, you'll remember that. For those of you who haven't, maybe it'll spark your interest and you want to go watch it on the app. But in the beginning, God created... Before everything, he created his heaven, he created three archangels in charge of everything. 
for the whole entire world's universe of everything he's got, however you want to describe that. Our little pea brains of what we know of God. And one of the archangels is Lucifer, and his entire job was to surround the throne with his wings and everything, and a third of the angels with him, just giving praise to God. Now, you can almost think about that and go, man, God is very narcissistic. I mean, he's just like, man, you guys got to worship me. And, but it's not that way at all. So as I was contemplating it, I'm thinking about the little flowers that grow. And the little dandelion in particular is a mental picture that I got. Why does it defy gravity to reach for the sun? Do you ever think about that? Why does it pop up out of the ground and start springing forth and it's reaching for the sun? In fact, if it's a day, it's really cloudy, it wilts. Why is that? Because the nature of God is so amazing that it draws you to him. And that's more of what it is, that his presence is so incredible that a third of the angels in heaven were just there to go, oh, you're amazing, you're God. In fact, it says that there are angels around about the throne even today that all they say is holy, holy, holy. But it's not so much like it's a robot that is programmed. It's not like on block repeat that it just says it. It's that God keeps revealing himself in the earth and they're just blown away with it. We set a fire in the fireplace last night because finally it's cold in Texas, right? Isn't that amazing? We had a fire in the fireplace and we had a little Viv there with us last night and I don't know that she's ever seen a fire in a fireplace but we got it roaring really good and she came walking out and she goes oh wow you know and it was so cute but that's the image that when God does something so amazing that all of heaven goes holy 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 and he does something else it just it perpetuates itself we probably know what happened in the story Lucifer became so filled in himself that he says, I could be like God. I want everybody worshiping me. Why should I be giving all of this to him? I should get this, because look at me, I'm really all of that. And as soon as that thought entered his mind, he was shot down out of heaven, because God can't tolerate any sin around him. God then took the third of the angels with him, and I'm going somewhere with this, so just follow along with me, But isn't it interesting that when someone comes face to face with an angel, with God, with something that just like takes over everything, the first thing they always say is one thing. Anybody know? Lord. I think about the Apostle Saul, that as he is on the road to Damascus, he is a very good police officer, torturing and dealing with the laws of the land at that time that says we're going to stamp out Christianity. So he's going and killing all of the people in churches. So where we're meeting today, and they would have more people like this, Saul would come walking in here, and they would just start slaughtering everybody if you're not going to walk. I mean, they're making an example out of everybody. That still goes on today in some places of the world, unfortunately. But this is who he is. But he thinks he's doing right, and all of a sudden God meets him. And he's blinded by a light, so much so that he is just like, ends up on the ground. And the only thing he can say is, Lord. 
I think of someone that I know, a good friend of mine, that he was coming home dr- drunk, I believe, from a party, and he missed a turn, and his car went over embankment and ended up at the bottom of a lake, and it broke his back in the midst of the crash. Now, the water's filling up in his car, and somehow he'll tell you he was able to get out a window that couldn't be opened, and he shot straight up into the air. He has no idea, and the first words out of his mouth were, Jesus! Even in his drunken state of this crazy thing that just happened with a broken back, he was able, something gets your attention, you know when God is there. Dr. Kennedy told me about a time that he was sitting in a hotel room and he was just sitting there and not even really focusing, as I remember the story, that much on the Bible or anything. And all of a sudden, an angel shows up at the end of his bed. Have you know that will wake you up? Can you imagine an angel, and they're reported to be about 15 feet tall, just all of a sudden, bigger than this, this thing goes about 12 feet. So, bigger than this, shows up and just like emanating light, just like. You're like, (laughs) that's what God threw down. Because even though he created this thing, it couldn't revel. It couldn't compete with his worship. Couldn't compete with who he is. Now, the interesting thing to me is that where God created a heaven and an economy and a society that a third of heaven gave to him worship. When a third of heaven was removed, he never replaced it. Isn't that interesting? Nowhere in the Bible I can find that he replaced Lucifer and a third of the angels. But he does say in John chapter 4, verse 23, he seeks those who are worshiping him. That means when we're worshiping here and, you know, We'll be greater one day and we'll have more instruments again and we'll have more vocals and we'll have newer sound system and the the projector will work brighter so you can see the words. But when we're just worshiping him, he's up in heaven going, where are they? (gasps) Look, they're there and over there and over there. His attention is drawn to those who are worshiping him. So this economy that God created of worship that is removed is now our place. And that's what I talked about in that video, is the choices we have to either worship him or not to worship him. But isn't that amazing that the God of heaven so loves us that he's seeking when we worship him? That he comes down and he is part of us. That's when he's bending his ear to hear What's going on with us? We are created to be with him and to know him. But not just us know him like we know all the presidential candidates, but to have a personal relationship where we're hearing him talking. He's hearing us talking. Can you imagine if someone who was a ruler called you on your phone? I've been with Dr. Kennedy. I'm, I guess it's a day to talk about Dr. Kennedy today. I've been with him when his phone rang as a king in Ghana. Like, oh my gosh, really? That's the king in Ghana that's calling you right now? We're having lunch. And I've been with other people that rulers will call the, the 
top guy of the um, Federal Reserve calls in to this guy at a lunch, and everybody's like, excuse me, i got to take this call. You know, but can you imagine if a ruler called you? Can you imagine if the Queen of England called you and you're just sitting here? Or the new president, or a past president? Or Can you imagine them just wanting to say, hey, what's going on? What's happening? What are you doing today? What did you have for breakfast? Why do you want to know anything about me? You're this person. And yet on such a grander scale, God wants to know us. If you will, turn in your Bibles with me, or you can watch it on the screen, to Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Now it talks about the process of us getting to know God, and it's a two-way street, just like a conversation between friends. It says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. See, by default, our minds are going downhill, right? It doesn't take any effort at all to slide into the gutter. So somebody just cuts you off in traffic, they steal your section at work, and they steal your client, they steal your roof, they steal all this stuff. It doesn't take any work at all to go whoosh, right in the gutter and just like, I can't believe they did that. And you just get all this stuff. It just comes natural, right? Have you ever seen a kid sent to youth camp to learn how to be rebellious? No, it just comes natural to us. But it says you have to transform your mind By renewing it. That's part of what we're doing here today, is learning what the Word of God says. So that you may prove what is the will of God, which is good and acceptable and perfect. John chapter 17, starting the first one, we're going to see the story here of Jesus. Remember, I've given you guys a challenge to challenge with me that we're going to read through the book of John as many times as we can this month, and we're going to carry it over into next month as well, to hear all the words of Jesus. If we're going to say we believe the Bible, if we're going to say that we are going to follow the words of Christ, we should at least know what they were. So here's a story out of John chapter 17. Jesus spoke these things, and then lifting up his his eyes to heaven, he said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that the Son may also glorify you." Even as you gave him authority over all flesh, to all who you have given him, he may give eternal life. Now, let's just break that apart just a little bit. As I was studying this last night, it was just, it was just incredible. He says, even as you have given him, so God gave Jesus authority over all flesh, that to all whom you have given him. So who is that? All flesh. That's everybody. He may give eternal life. See, he's saying, God, you've given me all of these people. You've given me all of these relationships. And now I want to give them eternal life. That just was amazing. Verse 3, this is the eternal life that they may know you. So that eternal life isn't just staying in heaven forever. It's that you have this wonderful life here, but it centers around knowing God, this is eternal life, Jesus says, that they may know you, so that Kevin may know you, that every one of you, say your name out loud, may know him, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you've sent. So right here, you see God's heart. You are created to know God. 
He wants you to know him. He doesn't want to be this guy up in heaven that's just throwing lightning bolts down at you, which he doesn't do. When you don't do what he wants or you turn or you slip and say a bad word, he goes, you just messed up. That's not him. He wants you to know him. Jesus continues, verse 4. I glorify you on the earth, having accomplished the work for which you've given me to do. Now, Father, glorify me together with yourself, with the glory which I had with you before the world was. So Jesus is letting us know in this prayer, he's giving us insight in a prayer that he's praying for us. God, I was with you, Father, when you created the world. This guy, this, can't even say guy, this being, this God who created all the wonderful things that we see, the air that we breathe. Jesus says, I was with you before that was even created. Now I've done what you wanted on earth. Now let's bring all these people in with you. That's just so amazing to me. I hope you're getting that as much as I was. It's just crazy. Turn with me to 1 John chapter 1. We're going to look at another side of this, another facet. This is the message we have all heard from him, Jesus, and announced to you that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. Do you know there's no darkness in heaven? I was talking to somebody this week and struggling with, you know, a loved one who passed away and thought they were up, up in heaven really mad at him because he was making bad choices. I said, there's not the same economy in heaven. There's no, there's no, God is not up there at heaven mad at you. So your loved one isn't up there mad at you. It says that we're surrounded by such a great throne of a, a crowd of witnesses that are like an arena and they're just looking down on us. And they're cheering us on saying, Kevin, go, you can do it. And when you make a mistake, they're like, they're not getting mad at you. They're like, come on, you can do it. You can do better. You can hit the mark. Remember we talked about that a few weeks ago? That's what's going on in heaven. And there's no darkness. So there's no tears, the Bible says. And there's no darkness. Do you realize God had to create darkness? Isn't that crazy? Because there's no darkness. There's no shadows at all in heaven. So when you're walking down, there's going to be light everywhere, but you, you're not going to see any shadows anywhere in heaven, nowhere. In him, there is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him, if we say we're a Christian, that we're walking the walk as a Christian, and yet we walk in darkness, we do not practice the truth. Isn't that pretty simple? If you say you're a Christian and you don't do what Jesus said to do and the things you're supposed to do, you're lying and you don't practice the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he himself is in the light. So as we looked at last week, Jesus said, if you do the things I'm telling you, you listen to my words and do them, then we have fellowship with one another. Being in fellowship with each other helps us. That's why we have church. That's why we set all this stuff up We work so hard for hours before and hours after tearing it down so we can have church that as he walks in the light and we have fellowship with one another, 
Remember we talked about grabbing the hand of the person that's with you and saying, hey, we're just going to go on. I don't know it all. I don't have it all together, but we're all going to go this way and we're going to follow Jesus. That's what we're doing. The next part of that verse, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanse us from all sin. That's so amazing. Now, for those of you who think you're not sinning, the next verse says, and if we say we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, you've probably heard this scripture before, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. In John, again, Chapter 3, John the Baptist, remember he was Jesus' cousin, and he came on the scene before Jesus, and he's out there like a wild man in the wilderness, and he's eating locusts and honey, and that's all he's eating, and he's just he's crazy. And he's like, prepare the way of the Lord. We need to repent, all you people. So then Jesus comes on the scene. He goes and gets baptized by John. But John had this whole following of people that were with him, and they're hanging out with him, and so they thought he was the greatest person. So now they come and they ask John the Baptist about Jesus and said, hey, you talked about somebody coming, but is this him? And, but they're doing things like you're doing, him. but why aren't, you know, why aren't they with us? Right? Everybody wants to be with you know, a better team. You know, Verse 35, this is what John the Baptist is saying to those people asking him. The father loves the Son, and has given all things into his hand. Isn't that the same thing we just read a few minutes ago? Isn't that amazing? Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see light, but shall but the wrath of God remains on him. Again, we're going to parse some words there. Isn't it cool to see that God created everyone He desires a relationship with everyone. But until you step into that relationship with him, the last part of that verse says, but the wrath of God remains on him. So you're at conflict with God until you make the decision to accept his son. And then you start walking in light and you start renewing your mind and you start seeing the fruit of God in your life. Matthew 7 Verse 17, so every good tree bears good fruit. I love the practicality of the Bible. Okay, Everybody has had an apple before. Everyone has had some fruit. Many people have actually pulled it off of the tree or seen where it's grown, right? So you know if you walk over there and you pull that apple or whatever that fruit off and you take a bite of it and it's bad, you go, I'm not going to get another apple. I'm not going to get something else. That's a bad tree. There's something wrong with the roots. There's something wrong. It's not working right. That's a bad tree. I can't have one of them good and the next one bad, right? You follow what I'm saying? So I love the practicality of it. Verse 18, a good fruit cannot produce bad fruit, neither can a bad tree produce good fruit. Verse 20 says, so then you will know them by their fruits. See, even God knew there's going to be fruits on this earth. Right? Everybody run into fruits before? You know, people are just like, Boo. you guys aren't jo- laughing at my jokes. That's, that's not funny. That's pretty funny. That's way funnier you guys are laughing. But the practicality of Jesus saying, you'll know who people are if they're in a relationship with me. If they're walking on this path to get from being the bad fruit. 
goes on in verse 21, talking about one day when we're all standing for Jesus. He says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of my Father, who is in heaven, will enter. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not, and he goes on, churchy things. Didn't we do all these church things? Verse 23 is where we're heading. And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me. See, we can do all of these things. We can have all of these great seeming things. If you read the church things that they're talking about there, they can look really wonderful on a resume. They can impress all those friends around you. All the big following of people that are wanting to just rah, 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 aren't you great? But if you never know Christ, if we never have that personal relationship with him, there's a danger when we stand before Jesus. See, I'm hoping you guys are connecting the, the dots and the pieces of this. So while our motto is we're the church with no rules and no judging, that we're not the ones to sit here and say, well, you've got to do this, this, and this to get to God. We're saying, go to the Bible. When we're saying, we're not going to judge you and say, oh, you've got too much stuff going on. Man, you've made too many mistakes. Or you've got this or that or something. We're not going to judge anybody. We can't. In fact, remember we looked at the Bible specifically says, judge not. So God's got it covered. We're not going to step into that arena. But our objective is not to judge anybody. Our objective completely and solely is to help you find and know God. That's the purpose of our church. That should be the purpose of every church. But that's what it's all about. You were created to know God. That you would know his heart. That you would know what his thoughts are. That you would know his ways. I was talking to my daughter this week. I said, you know, I love going to church. Not because I love going to church. Because I love God's house. I love God's people. I love God's word. I love God's things. I love all things to do with God. Because I love him. Any day of the week, if I have to get up after two hours sleep, my body's going to be rebelling, going, oh my gosh, what are you doing to me? I just want to go back to bed. And I'll be like popping Excedrin to try and, you know, keep the caffeine going and the headaches gone and everything. But on Sunday morning, getting up, I'm so excited to come here. I'm so excited for us to work and do all of the, the labor that takes to pull this off because I'm excited about everyone getting to know God personally. Bow your heads with me. Father, I pray that the words that you've given us in your, in your Bible that we've looked at this morning, we've seen how you created the heavens and the earth. You created those who worship you. You're looking for us to worship you. We also saw examples that you just want to know us. Kind of blows my mind that you as the creator of the whole world, everything we see, you want to take time out of your day to know about mine. But I thank you. I thank you for being so amazing. 
So Father, I pray that the words that I've spoken this morning will be going into the seed, going in a seed into the ground. Father, that everyone will be rising to the challenge that you've given us to know you. In Jesus' name.